Blog Talk Radio. You can completely sleep through all that noise. Uh, y- you know, uh, once you get used to uh, sleeping through uh, the scream, the continuous screams of uh, uh, what are those things called? Turbine engines on a uh, on a ship. Godzilla is really just a mother's lullaby. It's a lullaby, huh? It is. All right. Well, everyone, welcome to another uh, episode of Dental Colors Radio. Hello, Again? Internet. Again. It's like it's like every week this happens. Well, for most of us. For, yeah. So for apparently, I was cleaning out the bat cave and found a corpse. I didn't. Yeah. Say, you just you just found the remains of an intern. All right. You know. Was he was he half eaten? Was he just? Uh, he he kind of. I he, don't know. You tell us. You found <laughs> him. Yeah, you're the one who found him. Well, you're the one that's saying that I did this. How do you know that's the truth? Because you called me and you said, "Flagoon, I I can't come in this week this week because I just found a dead intern." Stuck in something down in the back cave, so I gotta clean this out. So you get you you take this. You don't remember this conversation? Lagoon's logic is irrefutable. It is. All yeah. right. Remember, I am the navigator. Yes. Yes. You are. <laughs> just don't fly. Yes. You just can't fly. <laughs> Why not? Because you're not a nice silvery ship that looks like a a giant almond. Oh come on. Yeah. Voiced by uh, Paul Rubens. Yep. Who doesn't love Pee Wee Herman? I was about to raise my hand there. Yeah. I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> I know. I saw you, like, go to... Like, and then uh, you stopped. Like, yeah, I, uh, last no, last I, year, they, they had that the HBO special, the live HBO special. That was, like, that that was a very just, just 176% nostalgia of, uh, <laughs> of, of just Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse... They brought back all the cast. The it was just it was just really with this wonderful whimsy and magic that just that's been lost. Even to, Cowboy uh, Curtis, did they bring back Cowboy, Cowboy Curtis? Curtis? Came back. Oh yeah, it was everybody. It was wonderful. It was glorious. <laughs> it was it was a return to everything that was right with eighties television, and everything. now everything. Including the uh, undercurrent of sexual overtones, or the, the yeah the yeah those were there too. Totally there. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this is... Uh, so exciting. This is Revan. 
It's a guy named Joe. This yeah. is a great, mighty, powerful Lord Flagoon. <laughs> and apparently Colin is not here. Now, why is Colin not here? He's still back on. He's still on his hot date. That's what it was. Oh. He's, he's snubbing us for chick. He finally went on a date. Yeah, that was that was why he was gone last week. Yeah. Ah. Can't believe him. Didn't know that. What about Ben? Where Where's Ben? Probably having a good idea. Having <laughs> a good idea. Having a good idea somewhere. I think yeah. he's stalking Colin. <laughs> Probably <laughs> hiding in bushes. He's <laughs> like, I don't believe that Colin's really on a date. Hiding in bushes and behind trees and stalking him on his date. So, so he's doing the whole P.I. thing and he's like snooping around bushes and stuff. Well, like that. I, uh, apparently they're married. So, you know, Colin's sneaking off behind his back. So he's doing the whole angry wife thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, he, so even worse than hiring a P.I., he's just doing it himself. Yeah. <laughs> well, it could be like a true life thing where he's got like half the NSA watching him. Nice. Suddenly, that's a lot cooler. That does sound a lot cooler. I don't think it's going to happen because, I mean, it's Ben. <laughs> no amount of good ideas will have the NSA on your side. Yeah, basically. I, th- I think it's the exact opposite that gets the NSA on your side. Ah, all bad ideas. Oh, razzing on the government, oh, but we do. Yeah. Oh, stirring yeah. political debates here on Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Uh, so uh, I-, I apologize, Internet, if I seem a little burnt out. Um, I just got done doing a marathon of finishing all of my crap for this semester of, of uh, college. So, yeah, right now I am seeing everything in, like, thesis statements and quotes and sightings. Oh. Yes. So it should be an intelligent debate tonight, then. Yeah. Uh, Flagoon 2014. <laughs> 2014. <laughs> there we go. Super exciting. <laughs> I, 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 just, I decided myself. Ah. So uh, on tonight's episode of Dungeon College Radio, we'll be talking with uh, Cameron Hurley in her new book, The Mirror Empire. Yes, and if you if you haven't noticed, she was super excited to be on the show. She started tweeting at 5 a.m. this morning. Awesome. <laughs> that she was going to be on the show. Well, we are super super excited to have her on the show. No, we are. Um, so so it's going to be exciting to have her on the show. You probably should mention, if you want to get on that action, you can, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at DCR underscore show. Um, you can also call us at 626-226-1475. Or you could get us in touch with us the old-fashioned way and send us an email at info at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. Or uh, actually, and yet again, with uh, Colin not being here, there's sadly no live chat. No. It's like we're missing an appendage. It is. Is that kind of sad that email is the old-fashioned way? I just thought it would be kind of funny to say the old-fashioned okay. way and say email. <laughs> But it, it is. Send us a letter. It, it actually has become a, a fairly uh, a fairly dated medium now. Not very many people actually use email. Like actual email. Yeah, it's usually just called... oh, poke me on Facebook or uh, send me a tweet or you know Instagram me or send me something on Flickr. You gonna Flickr? I don't know. <laughs> you gonna Flickr and then tweet? Yeah, you gotta Flickr and then tweet about it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm nope. I'm nothing. I'm. Joe is not wait, touching wait, wait, that wait, with wait, a 20-foot pole. Nope. Views expressed by Lord Flagoon do not uh, directly represent the views and opinions, opinions of Dungeon Colors Radio or Dungeon Media. Anything uh, said by Flagoon that might be construed as uh, offensive, please send all complaints to Flagoon at DungeonColorsRadio.com. I'm so going to clip that out of today's show so that we can constantly play that over and over again. But <laughs> like double the I, double but, the speed. But I'm gonna double the awesome. speed. <laughs> so it's gonna sound like he's like on he's just drink a K 
keg of energy drinks. <laughs> awesome. That would be that will be great. Yeah. Oh. Um, also coming up on this, ed- this edition, we have uh, Geek News. Geek News. Do we have a Gamer Forge tonight? We yeah. have Gamer Forges. However, however, I printed them okay. and left them on the printer. Revan, we give you one job. One job. You luckily, have one thing to do. Luckily, they come in by email. So Okay, so they're not like gone. <laughs> they're not good. gone through the universe. Okay. I just got to scour through our email because we've been getting email requests. We've been inundated with email requests for Gen Con interviews like crazy. Yeah, I know, right? So I don't know if you paid attention to our Google calendar, but that's yeah. why I've been posting it so everyone has access. It's a little crazy. Yeah, we're going to be kind of crazy this time. And then I just spoke with Larry Correa today, and he's going to be introducing us to the fine folks at Privateer Press, the important people that we need to know to get what we want done. So we're skipping that they're PR people. Yay! <laughs> yeah. We're getting them straight from the horse's mouth. Yes. Awesome. And by horse, we mean, uh, you know, 12-foot-tall steam jack. Yep. Because, you know, they can. You know, just when I think, just when I think, Larry Korea can't get any more awesome. He does something <laughs> like this and totally proves me completely wrong. So thank you, Larry. We love you, or at least I love you. Thank you for be for teaching us the error of our ways. <laughs> we were so wrong. We are so sorry. Okay, so then, uh, so right now we're just waiting for uh, Cameron to place the call. Well, I just got to, I got to connect to her. Oh, okay. So, are we ready? Um, about as ready. Well, before we do that, we have a special guest. Yes. Host on the show tonight. Guess Drew! I don't know how special I am, man, but thanks for having me on. Yeah, Drew uh, hung out with us at Fantasy Con. He came on. Uh, you were actually on a couple the live show, too, weren't you? Uh, or, yeah, well, yeah. I was heckling from the audience. You were heckling from the audience. <laughs> and he was on a few of our panels. Um, for those of you that don't know this, Drew is a geek through and through. But he was also a bouncer. Yeah. Um, True story. And didn't know he 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 threw away his geek nature and his, his geek desires because that wasn't cool. And while he was a bouncer, found out even bouncers can play magic as well. And then <laughs> went came back yep, to was, the ways. I, I heard my calling when I walked into work early one night, and four of my buddies were uh, sitting there playing magic and. I just kind of geeked all over the room, and then, uh, you know, it was full force from there, so. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that was awesome. I heard that story, and I was like, sweet. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds an awful lot like my story, where I had to I had to bury my, my geekness, like, very, very deep when I first joined the Coast Guard, and then, like, as I, my time in, just gradually went on, I was like, screw it. Yeah. So, absolutely. All right, so let's, uh, I'm going to add... Cameron to this call. Best of luck to you, sir. The joys of Skype and its amazingness. Everything's working so far, so awesome. Just, and now... It just didn't work for me. It's because you had Windows 8. Yeah, Windows 8 yeah. sucks. <laughs> you need to... Bill, Bill Gates, if you're listening to this, just know. He's not in charge of that you anymore. My, I don't care. He's probably... He could. He can make a phone call and be like, Hey, uh, Flagoon and Dungeon Crawlers doesn't really like your guys' setup. Fix it now. Yes. Yeah. Huh, that's weird. All right, let's try this one more is, time. Is it, all, is it not adding to you either? Add call. And no, it's not. Ah. So, so Skype I'm not is alone broken. in this universe. 
Which uh, is also right. that, that we can still blame. Well, this Microsoft causes a problem. Be, we can still blame Microsoft for it because Microsoft owns Skype. Well, no, this causes a severe problem because Cameron's in Canada, so she can't just call in. Ooh, that would be a very long. <laughs> that would be an international call. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Ooh, um, Canada. Wow. Uh oh. Uh, well, we uh, we definitely apologize for. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the heck is for the hold up here. Well, not, she's caught. Uh, okay, we're getting a message. Uh, let's see. Oh, sorry, Ohio. Never mind. Maybe oh, okay. she can't call in. I I apologize. I for some reason okay. I had Canada in my head. So uh, rather, <laughs> well, you Canada, need to. Ohio is close to Canada. I, I think I think you need to get uh, go back into uh, geography. I and, know. Uh, Figure out where where your states are. Look, as a uh, as a Michigander, I can tell you that anywhere in that area, we all kind of sound the same. So further north you go, um, like it gets thicker and thicker in terms of the accent. The further north you go, but um, I get confused or used to get confused as a Canadian all the time. So that's like what, like which side of the border? Or yeah. Well, yeah. So you know, being in being in Grand Rapids over on the on the west coast of the state, there, it wasn't as bad. But when you get over to the east side and you get further north, the accent just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And and so my wife still has a, a pretty bad accent, even though we're in mm-hmm. Utah now, and she gets confused for Canadian all the time out here. <laughs> so then, uh, how does? Um um, I, I guess how, how did uh, how did the culture of the of the northern areas how did that sort of affect how you came into um, I guess your geek status yeah how what was that like man that's a that's an awesome question um, in Michigan specifically uh, it's trees everywhere lots mm-hmm. of water so as a kid. Um, it's very easy to get lost in, in a fantasy style, mm-hmm. just daydream walking around in the woods or being on the lake and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. for me, it was very easy spending a lot of time camping as a kid. Uh, me and my best friend, would we'd bring backpacks full of role-playing books with us and read them and just kind of get lost in it. And we would role-play in our tents and look outside and you're in old-growth trees and, mm-hmm. you know, in some very cool locations or you're sitting on the shores of Lake Michigan and it's sand and water and that's it. Um, yeah. It makes it very easy to kind of slip into that fantastical daydream. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, it looks like uh, Cameron's calling in, so let's okay. uh, answer this. Hello. 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 Welcome to Denver Callers Radio. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the future. Yay! <laughs> Achievement unlocked. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so how does how does the future look? How does an hour from now look? To, uh, is, is it two? Good? Do we have blank cards yet? Two well, hours. I have, I have hours on you guys. Yeah, there's a big party going on. So oh, I think so, so, be so we're 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 past blank cards, and we're on to like uh, we're on to like uh, like cold fusion, aren't we? I oh drive. yeah, yeah. There's no, all all the world's problems have been solved in the last two hours. Wow. Oh, so we got wow. something to really look forward to. Yes. Man, all before Gen Con. Yes. <laughs> right at the end of the show. You know what it was? What? When our show ended, we answered so many questions. All of answer, all, all of life's and all of life's. The, the, the universe clicked and yep. everyone became happy, go lucky, and they created <laughs> mechs <laughs> and what happens. Uh, ion drive vehicles and we can now do faster and light travel. 
That's what happens every time Dungeon Crawlers Radio ends. Can I have wow. a hoverboard? Huh? Can I have a hoverboard? Okay. I know, really. Yeah. I need one. Bringing <laughs> hoverboards so, to all. Enough, yes. enough <laughs> trivial talk. Let's let's talk about something that's actually important. Mirror Empire. So, what what is this world that you are bringing us into in Mirror Empire? Because looking at the looking at the the, the cover art alone, I'm sold. I know. Thank yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Done. Yep. Uh, Mirror Empire is uh, the first in uh, my first epic fantasy series. Um, it is about a orphan uh, uh, who's running around um, and finds out that, of course, she is actually not from the world that she thought that she was from. Um, she finds out that her world is actually fighting sort of these darker versions of themselves. Uh, it, it happens in this world where the magic system is basically people draw on the power of the stars in the sky. So if your star is ascendant, you've got power. If it is in decline, you too are in decline. Uh, there's flesh-eating plants. There's blood magic. There's um, you know these infused like weapons that like crawl out of your wrist and you fight with them. There's all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Um, it's a whole lot of fun. I had a, a tremendous uh, amount of fun uh, making it, and I think seeing some early uh, reader reactions has, has been a blast. So what were some of the uh, early um, early influences and some of the early inspirations to to start building this world? Well, you know, this is, uh, I'm one of those, one of those geeks who's been doing this for a very long time, so I actually think I wrote the first map, like I first mapped out this world when I was like 12. <laughs> and so uh, I, I have been uh, sort of messing around in places with this kind of geography for a very long time. Um, most of my you know, I mean, literary influences, I mean, I come out of, like, the new weird school. So folks like K.J. Bishop, Jeff Vandermeer, China Miesel, uh I really love their stuff. But then, you know, I'm a huge Joe Abercrombie fan. Uh, I like Robin Hobb, uh, Saladin Amis, and the question is really great. Um, so I, I really enjoy a lot of epic fantasy and sort of like merging like this new weird tradition with epic fantasy um, was a ton of fun. So that's where a lot of it comes from. So in the uh, the initial version of the uh, of these maps, you said you made them when you were like 12 years old. Did they have like playgrounds attached to them or were there um, like extra cafeterias? <laughs> no, no, there weren't. No, no. it was pretty, uh, it was pretty, pretty straightforward. I didn't do city maps. I did like geography maps. Okay. So, you know, they're pretty pretty broad stroke. So, I mean, uh, what was it like then? Uh, I guess refining this into its more into a its more complete and final versions. I mean, were you studying um, like topography and things like that to 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 finish it? Uh, so that's I write uh, like science fiction fantasy like mashups. I, my my genre is basically Thundercats, right? Like I'm like, oh is, there's some science and there's some fantasy and so I don't really worry too much. I blur a lot of lines um between genres. I don't spend a terrible amount of time um, you know, making sure every all the the you know the the T's are crossed and everything's dotted. So um for me most of the, you know, uh Heavy lifting in this one happened last year, about for about nine, ten months last year, when I talked to my agent and I said, "Hey, I have these two books. I have this 
crazy, like, all-women, Hindu-inspired space opera with this womb tech and this nest, and it's called Legion, and she's like, oh, that's going to be tough sell. And so I was like, well, I also have this amazing, uh, you know, epic fantasy with the flesh-eating plants and blood magic. And she's like, oh, let's let's take a look at that. Um, uh-huh. So we basically, at that point, burned it all down. Um, I had an early draft that I wrote uh, about a long time ago. Um, but I had an early draft, and it turned out that needs to be burned down. So we burned it all down, and we sat down and we potted it all out. Um, my big, um, my, like, greatest thing that I'm really good at is, like, basically character and world building. So for me, the place that I am working on the most and that I worked on my last uh, three books and this book as well uh, is really all about um, plots and figuring out plots and building not only individual character arcs, but the full arc over not just a novel, but then three novels for this particular fantasy series. So that was really the challenge for me. And so when you uh, wow. when you're building the uh, when you're building this the the kingdom of uh, make sure I'm pronouncing this right Sidewan, Sidewan, yeah, Sidewan. Okay, so when so when you're when you're crafting this land, uh, were there uh, like real life locales? Because it sounds kind of like this uh, sort of like old school Russia Siberia sort of uh, um, area. At least that's the mental picture I'm drawing. Well, and that was actually one of the things that I wanted to mess with in this particular book was I really wanted to mess with our expectations of what societies look like in epic fantasy. Uh, I think there's sort of become this sort of um, uh, expectation that, oh, it's all kind of this pseudo-medieval or pseudo-European, you know, kind of patriarchal societies and everything looks very much the same that we've sort of seen for a long time. Um, So what I actually did was, yeah, it's on the tundra, um, but Seidwan also happens to have three genders. Um, They have a uh, way of, um, like, battling for the throne, like, different families go out and they battle for uh, the right to rule the kingdom. Uh, They have these, like, crazy assassin type of people who are also their magic users and who are also, of course, then going, they're being decimated by this this, uh, invading force. And so they send some of these assassins down to find uh, magic users who can draw on this star called Oma, which is not seen in the sky for about 2,000 years. So um, they go down uh, to some other countries, and that one, there's one that's very egalitarian. It's a consent-based culture. You don't touch people without their consent. Um, they are, have polyamorous relationships. Um, they are primarily a passive people, but they also mm-hmm. practice ritual cannibalism. So... <laughs> Ah. <laughs> so there's the catch. <laughs> right. You know, you can't ever be perfect, right? Oh, and also cannibalism. So um, wow. what I really wanted to do, yeah, right, is there's, there's challenging some expectations here. Um, there's a lot going on. Uh, and for me, that was the, that was the delight. Um, you know, I read a book um, called God's War and the sequels, Infidel and Rapture. Um, and it was very much, again, another book about, hey, let's, let's actually make this like a fantasy, you know? Like, let's actually think, like, what is the stuff that I don't see a lot and what are the things, the ways that we can mess with our societies and how people interact and how things could be. Um, I think it was Joanna Russ, who's a science fiction writer, actually said, you know, I got into writing science fiction because I wanted to explore how things could be really different. And I'm always like, it's cool that you have a, a massive world, but, like, if you're just, plopping people from today into this world without taking into account, well, how does this world change these people? How are they different in this world? 
Um, how have they reacted and responded to the conditions of this world? Things aren't going to be the same if you have a different environment or if situations have changed. Um, you know, I mean, that's the, the great part about, you know, the whole mirror universe, parallel dimension sorts of fiction. Is it's like, oh, one little change could, could, you know, have these massive repercussions and totally uh, transform societies. So, so it's definitely about the, the cause and effects, um, and then and then how I guess how we cause and we experience the effect. Totally, yeah, yeah, and it's again different ways that things could be. You know, I'm a I'm a big you know fan of every. Of course, there's like every show. It seems like has the the evil the evil parallel universe episode, right? Like you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so I love that stuff, uh, and I really love to play around um, with different choices and how 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 think different things could be. Um, and so, yeah, I, that's that's totally what I love doing. Okay, and so but, then you get. To, oh, go I was ahead. gonna say, I really like the fact that she's not going with traditional fantasy. Where what you were saying is, it's just like okay, I just took some guys from you know medieval Europe, and they're on this new planet and everything's hunky dory and just like it was here. You know, the the fact that you have these, you know, other races that are you know, yeah, you know, they're polyamorous and all that and then oh yeah, and they eat people. I mean, that's just <laughs> awesome. I mean, really it is because it's like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you you you've been transported here and you're walking around and you see these people and you're like, oh, I could probably hang out here. It'd be cool. Whoa, they just ate grandma. Get the crap out of here now. <laughs> yeah. It's like zero from 100. Yeah. It's yeah. super passive yeah. or we eat you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, what were, what were, um, what other things did you explore then when you're trying to turn the fantasy conventions or, or the conventions of fantasy on its ear, so to speak. You're, you're throwing in these things that, I mean, we only really started exploring. Um, I, mean, I mean, they're not necessarily, I guess, new things, but, like, we really only started exploring them culturally within the past few decades, such as, like, the polyamorous relationships and identifying uh, possibly, like, a third gender. I mean, how, how, how did you come up with all that? Well, you know... Uh what a, a lot of this comes out of a tradition of, of feminist science fiction, which was primarily in, uh, you saw, like, the new wave of science fiction in the 60s and 70s, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, free love and crazy politics and the world's going to end. A very similar sort of awakening, I think, that folks were having. Um, and so I read a lot of that early uh, feminist science fiction uh, and some of that new wave science fiction that really wanted to kind of push the boundaries um, of what people, um, you know, thought was okay. You know, like Heinlein is considered actually quite like, oh, my gosh, group marriages, that's amazing at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so I, it was taking those ideas and saying, okay, well, that's really cool, but I <laughs> I want to have a plot. Because <laughs> 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 you get a lot of that stuff. It's very didactic, right? It was like, oh, and there's, a, there's another gender. Isn't this amazing? And they just explore the gender. like, I like kick-ass plots where stuff is exploding and people's heads are chopped off and there's blood magic and warring mages and I love all that stuff. So I'm like, I want to do all that cool, interesting social stuff that I like to do, but I just want to like put it on top of the cool whiz-bang stuff that I like too. Um, so I wanted to do everything, like all at once, 
which was probably, you know, that was very ambitious of me. And a lot of people have told me, this is a very ambitious book. Um, and it is. Uh, but it does all the things that, that I really wanted to do. So I think, again, it comes out of a tradition um, of, uh, you know, fantasy and science fiction, just stuff that, you know, has always been on the fringes. Um, and what I'd love to see, you know, is with, you know, books like this one that get a little bit more mainstream because it is a very epic fantasy plot. Uh, it is the big bad is coming, uh, you know, there is the, the chosen one and, you know, so-and-so will be king. So there's all sorts of that cool stuff that I love about epic fantasy, but it really takes you to a place that you have not been before. Well, okay, so then, I mean, how, I mean, so we kind of have the comparison between, I guess, um, what, I bet, like, I'm trying to think of a different phrase than, like, the new school fantasy that you're that you're kind of creating here. You're kind of like, you're right on the cutting edge of, of creating this new, um, this new version, um, or I guess new edition of fantasy. Uh, how, how, do, how do you think that some of your predecessors from, uh, from, from previous eras would feel of uh, writers such as like uh, Heinlein and Tolkien? How, how, would they, how would they think of you? What do you think they would think of you? I, I, I don't care. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. I like that answer. <laughs> I'm not writing for Tolkien. <laughs> um, here's the thing. I think we are, we are writing for, uh, we're writing for today, right? Uh, yeah. every, every work that we do is a product of its time. Um, and a lot of the things that I write about are also products of conversations that I've had with, you know, friends and fans and colleagues, uh, especially in the last 10 years. I've been uh, an active blogger and stuff online, um, reviewing um, books and things for at least that long. Um, so a lot of that also just comes from, you know, this is, this is something that we have all said, like, ultimately as a writer, what do you write? You write the things you want to read. These were stories that I was not seeing, and I'm like, this is what I want, and I'm getting people to give me pieces of that, but they're not giving me what I want to read. And so to me as a writer, uh, one of my biggest, you know, um, drives, right, like one of the things that drives me is I want to create stories that I want to read because I find that they are missing. Um, and one of the things I realized, you know, chatting with folks online for as long as I have, is that there were actually a lot of people who wanted those stories too. Um, and I think when you find that audience who are and, and, and they find you and they're like, oh, I didn't know you existed, and, and they're really hungry, right? They're like, oh, I really wanted this thing, but I didn't know that it existed, and I didn't know that someone could even write it and get it published, um, and that's, that's fantastic. And I think finding, finding those readers, um, to me, is, is a big payoff. Um, and always building on, like to me, we should always be building on the work that has come, gone before us, right? It should always be like, all right, yeah, that was cool, but what's the next step? What are we doing now? What's the next thing? Um, I'm very much, you know, as a science teacher, I, I'm actually kind of, you know, forward-looking, where I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. We've done that. Now what else can we do? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. So uh, I guess bigger, I guess, better. Yeah. Yes, more. Yes. Uh, I don't want a Big Mac. I want a Triple Mac. <laughs> and that sounds delicious. I know, doesn't I it? I don't want the son of bacon. Either. I want the Can bacon. We bacon? Can yeah. we put yeah, shredded pork on there? Can we put, you know, yeah. No, I, I think that's a good, So, um, you, you know, it, it sounds like you're kind of, 
you found your your little niche in in, in the world of of writing because uh, the market's pretty saturated with with kind of status quo fantasy and sci-fi and and I like that you're really pushing the boundaries to 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 advance it and also to to write what you want to read. I think that that's great and I think the audiences are growing more and more um to to wanting to read this other stuff that isn't necessarily a trope upon a trope. Yeah. I yeah, that's uh, you're you're kind of achieving two goals at the same time. Yeah, yeah that's the hope. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I'm hooked. You always, I have you always to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, time to punch out now. Yep, done. You're punching out. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I guess before we continue on, we've got to pay the bills here real fast. We'll be right back. In oh yeah, 30 we, should, seconds. we should probably do that. So, gotta love uh, that. Gotta love those time frames. We're just. <laughs> yep, we're gonna play this real quick. We'll be right back. This next half of the interview is going to be brought to you by Amazon.com. Uh, once you're done with listening to the show, if you want to get yourself any of the other books that you've been uh, hearing about in the past few weeks, just go to the sidebar uh, located at DungeonCollegeRadio.com, clear out your cookies, enter in your search term, and shop as normal. It doesn't cost you anything extra and uh, even kicks a little bit of money back to us. So it's not entirely a selfless gesture. That's Amazon.com. All right, we're back. <laughs> and and also don't forget amazingly... Go ahead. If you have any questions you want to ask our uh, wonderful guest, uh, you know, feel free to give us a call at 66-226-1475. And you can always drop us a line at info at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com or tweet us your questions at DCR underscore show. Amazingly enough, I'm doing Colin's job tonight. <laughs> Why am I always the person that does it? I don't know. You're better at it than us. That's you do that occasionally. <laughs> do you have a laptop? Um, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? No. You need to speak louder. Project your voice. I need a bigger microphone. No, you need a bigger voice. <laughs> no, I was going to say, because you have the laptop. Well, so does Joe, and so does... We, we oh, have a laptop. <laughs> well, well my, that's okay. Mine's, mine's made by Fisher Price. So. For those of you, Sakura has shown up. Hello. Apparently, the dead body in her basement was not a dead body. It was just a Halloween decoration. Yeah. I love Halloween. <laughs> and back to the interview. Yeah, back, back to Cameron. <laughs> so, speaking of Halloween, what sort of costumes do you think that your characters would actually wear if there was some sort of, you know, pagan festive, holiday? Yeah, pagan. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't pagan but. I don't know. I really frustrate this at this dead people in the basement thing. I, I, I'm not sure what's up with that. Uh, but um, no, honestly, that's a very good question. Um, they would probably, uh, probably they would dress up as their evil halves, you know, uh, in the mirror universe. So um, that would probably be the most most appropriate thing once they all figured that out. So now I got, I have the question. So if they're considered the evil half, so do they think the other, the other half on the other side is evil and they're actually good? Right? Isn't that an interesting question? <laughs> I know. Uh, you know what's really fun? What's really fun is in book two, I get to write a lot of uh, stuff from the quote-unquote evil uh, side. And, of course, uh, you know, uh, the best sorts of bad guys are the ones who believe that they're good, right? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I specifically, yeah, like the, the whole situation is set up where it's, they don't have much choice. They, they need to, uh, and, and you figure out uh, during the course of the book, they, they have to engage and destroy basically this other world um, in order to survive. They have, it's an impossible choice. 
Um, so my whole thing uh, in the second book is actually, you know, now I'm writing it from this viewpoint of these other people. I'm like, well, who, who is the bad guy? Um, I had a funny, a funny early review that was like, I was, this was a rough book to get into. I didn't know who the hero was. <laughs> I'm like, well, in real life, we're all the hero of our own story, you know? Um, mm-hmm. That was actually one of the, the huge themes that I really wanted to explore. Um, you know, we we fight each other all the time, and I think it's very easy to say, oh, we'll just make it a horde of orcs or demons or something other, right? Something that's, that's yeah, it's an allegory. It stands in for us, but it's not really us. Now we can kill it and not think too much about it. Um, yeah. And I think it's far more interesting to say, no, we are killing humans, and we're doing this um, because we feel that we are, you know, we're, we're, we, we have an impossible choice to make. Um, so I'm very fascinated uh, with, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I'll take a dark turn. Um, but I, uh, I have a lot of interest in uh, war and conflict and, and genocide, and that's where my historical studies uh I have a master's degree in the history of resistance movements in Southern Africa. So I have done tons and tons of, of research on sort of the horrible things that normal people do. Uh, and, in fact, it turns out that we are all, in fact, uh, capable of doing wondrous and monstrous things. And putting characters into these impossible situations uh, is my way of uh, playing in that sandbox in a way that is um, responsible. So uh, those are definitely the themes that I'm exploring. So then how do you portray um, other, um, I guess, good and evil qualities, such as, like, uh, how do you portray a good person being innocent uh, or, or behaving in an innocent fashion? And, or, and then how do you portray things like, um, things like redemption and, um, um, and, and, like, altruism on the other side, on the, on the, the quote-unquote evil side? I think you just portray them. I think redemption is a very, uh, it's kind of a Christian concept, uh, so I don't know that that really works as much with some of their cultures. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, obviously, I mean, we're all human. We all do things that are nice, and we all do things that are horrible. Um, To me, that is part of making a really good character. Your best bad guys are always the ones who are the hero of their own story and who save a puppy, right? Like, you don't want them to kick a puppy, actually. You want them to save a puppy. Because then when they go and they, you know, clobber your hero, you're like, oh, but they saved a puppy. You know, you have like this conflicting, conflicting pull, like, ah, crap. Um, Because we're not all evil and we're not all good. Um, And I think that you just portray those things, right? I mean, you just show them. It's like, here's a nice act that they do, and in the next breath, you know, they trip somebody on the sidewalk or whatever because um, that's what real people do. Uh, I think if, you know, if you are writing a, a fantasy or science fiction story that is about real people and not, you know, fantastic, you know, whatever sorts of other alien uh, races, if you're writing mm-hmm. about people, they should be people. Uh, and so I think that, yeah, it's just a matter of this is, this is who they are and, and this is what they do. So by that understanding, I just need to watch my kids and I have all the material for a fantasy book I need. Because one minute they'll be all nice and hugging, and the next minute they're punching each other out. Yeah, are good with. I love it when people tell me how how great and innocent children are. Like, man, I spend time with a two or three year old, and oh my gosh, like they can be the most manipulative, egotistical. Because they're when you're a kid, you don't know, right? It's you are the center of the universe. There is nothing else outside of you. Like we learn empathy. Empathy is something you learn. Um, and so it's really always funny when you go, oh, well, children are naturally nice. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. It's, 
um, any any of the characters, particularly in this particular um, fantasy series, is like, oh, it's absolute demonic evil. They're not. They're they're people, and they do human things. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're all like I'm, I'm anticipating Zakora is going to be asking a question, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, do I say something? Do I do yeah, I ask no, now? No, I'm now? just thinking. I just keep thinking about what you're saying, and it just it makes my mind turn and and think. So do you? Let me ask you a question. Then. Do you play with a lot of moral ambiguity in your with your characters? Then are they really gray characters, or are they? You know, are, are they set in white and black, at least in terms of the perspective of their race or their culture? Oh, I think there's, uh, I love moral ambiguity. You know, I mean, my, my <laughs> dogs were a book out, you know, a bounty hunter who ran around chopping up people's heads for the government and totally justified it to herself and was, you know, a drug-taking, alcoholic, swearing, crazy person. Um, she was great. I loved her. She's my favorite. Um <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I, I much prefer, uh, again, I, I like moral ambiguity because I don't, I don't, and here's the thing you got to get to, when you're reimagining, um, like, these cultures, what they consider good and moral is different than maybe what we would consider good and moral. Again, it's perfectly fine to eat the dead to honor them, right? Um, there are different things that they value that we don't value as much or things that they find abhorrent, again, do not touch someone without their consent, like even putting a hand on someone's shoulder or something, if they have not given permission, is like, <gasps> that's a horrible thing, right? Um, and they would consider that, that evil. Um, so, so I think it's, uh, I, I like to explore, again, you have those, those ideas that in these different cultures, what do they consider good and evil? And what do they consider, you know, normal? Um, and, and take more of a look at that. Because, uh, you know, I mean, I, there's there's certainly a place for um, fantasy that's you know black hats versus white hats and that's totally cool. It's just not what I write. Uh, I'm far more interested in people who sort of have their own moral codes. Um, Nix in the in the God's War series certainly had her own moral code. There were things she wouldn't do, right? She would do horrible things, and we'd all go, <gasps> you know, from our place here and go, that is horrific. But there were other things yeah. that she just wouldn't do. There were things that she wouldn't compromise on. So then, I guess, I guess then how. What the, what then? What do you? I guess, how did you define then? I guess what? I guess what was the sort of line that says this character absolutely had to be on this side because they did this or or they believe this way, so this character has to switch sides. And like, what, what sort of lines were you drawing in that? Um, uh, to be honest, uh, quote unquote, good versus bad. Again, if these are two worlds that are coming together. Um, yeah. Basically, it's which world were you born on? <laughs> That's it. Uh, that is the only difference. Um, and I think there's certainly... Uh, but again, here's what we need to talk about, too, is I, as a writer, can't make a moral judgment about a character, right? Yeah. You guys, as readers, will make those judgments. You guys will decide, uh, this is the person I sympathize with and I believe is good and I want to win, and these are the people I don't sympathize with and I don't like them as much or I don't want them to win. Or it might just be like a Game of Thrones thing, everyone's a jerk, I hope they all die, this is horrible, they're going to all die anyway. Um, so it might be that situation too. Um, I, my job is to set up sympathetic folks uh, who are complex and interesting 
um, that you guys as readers can then follow and, you know, pick, pick your team, right? Like, all right, whose who's jersey am I going to wear? Um, but, yeah, from the writer's side, like, I don't feel like I can make, like, well, this is a good person, this is a bad person. They're all just sort of people to me. No, I think that's great because there are a lot of authors out there that will write and they very purposefully say, yep, this is my hero. You root for the hero all the way through the story. You jump up and down when they succeed. Um, but but I find it obviously a lot more interesting when when my myself as a reader can make those choices and decide, you know what, this guy over here may be uh, a little bit of a bad guy, but I like the choices he makes or she makes and that sort of thing. I, I think that's a much more engaging read. That's awesome. Yeah, I yeah, I think, I think it's that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just think it makes it makes a it makes certainly makes it a more interesting interesting book. It doesn't feel as forced, right? Sometimes they feel forced. So, but yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was gonna say it. For me, when I read a book or I watch a movie or or TV series or anything, and the the villain, uh, when you love the villain or you grow like there's something about that that character that you love, it, it just becomes more interesting and more emotionally intriguing and I, I personally love stories when I actually am like I feel so bad for the for the, for the person that loses so yeah totally so then uh, moving um, uh, moving on now that uh, the the Mary Empire is uh, is out now correct no it's coming out it is coming out not yet August 26th we're almost there we got 19 days Oh, so close! I know. Are you? I know. Safe? I just I just got my author copies today. I just opened the box and I'm like, it's a real book! Oh my god! <laughs> so, it's it's so, just my fourth book and it's amazing every time. We're just like, oh, I made a book! Oh. So, <laughs> so so then, what's going to be uh, what's going to be next in the Worldbreaker saga? Then, I mean, what what other stories do you have to tell? Uh, well, this is uh, projected to be uh, three books. I'm working on the sequel now. It's about halfway done. Uh, and that will be out uh, about September, I think it's September 7th of 2015, so next year. And then we'll have a third book out uh, after that. Uh, and I might have some other things here in the works, which I will discuss later. Um, so <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, uh, yeah, we have three of these books. Uh, and then of course I've got some short fiction coming out next year and some anthologies. But um, yeah, so we've got uh, it, it, again. I'm not I'm not a ten book series crazy person, so nobody has to worry about that. Um, it is awesome. three books. It is outlined. We are again. I'm I'm finishing up the second one, uh, and we are everything's everything's a go. So. So then, uh, are you going to be taking this show on the road, so to speak, or can we expect to see you at any of the uh, upcoming conventions through uh, through the rest of the year? Or book signings. Or, yes, also book signings. Yeah, or book signings. I will be at Gen Con, actually. I know you guys are going to be at Gen Con. Um, I'm going to be at Gen Con. Yeah, I know. I'm going to be there. And I'm bringing, like, I will have, like, 20 copies of Mirror Empire that I'm actually bringing and will be available to be bought in the dealer's room, uh, early copies. So... I will be at Gen Con, and I will also be doing a signing uh, at Gen Con. So, uh, and also like twelve. I'm on like twelve. I have like twelve programming things. It's it's crazy. It's crazy, but it's my last. It's my last convention of the year. So, um, I'm doing Gen Con, and then I'm doing a crazy blog tour. So, hopefully, there you'll be seeing tons of stuff for me from all sorts of great book bloggers hosted uh, at their sites uh, here in the upcoming weeks. 
And then as of September 19th, I'm disappearing into a cloud of smoke, and I'm going to go write book two and finish it all for you so no one sends me horrible, terrible mail saying, you have to finish the second book. Um, finish book two. Oh, no, it will be done. I'll be back and done now. You can bugger my publisher to get it out. So um, that is my plan. After September 19th, I will be I will be putting on my cloak and retiring to go do what writers do, which is actually write. <laughs> Nice. Oh, oh, wow. Most of the writers, I've, most of the writers I've talked to are like, oh, I've got conventions and then more conventions and then I got panels and then I got signings. And I, have, got I have a day job, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a day job, so I'm like, I can do. I think I can do. I limited myself to four, three or four conventions a year uh, on years I have books out. So that's that's like that's like my hard limit because I only have so much vacation time, I only have so much money, and <laughs> I actually have to do my day job at some point. <laughs> so we completely understand. <laughs> so do you have like a web page or a social media site that uh, people can go to to get to know totally. you just a little bit more? Totally. Yeah, you can get me at CameronHurley.com, and that's Cameron with a K. Uh, or I'm also on Twitter at Cameron Hurley. All right, yep. there we go. Awesome. And so, uh, um, so with um, the Mary Empire is not out yet. Where can uh, where can our listeners and your readers uh, either find a um, either find pre uh, like preview cop- get their pre release copies or pre order copies or can they get it also on like audiobook? Yes, it's going to be available on audiobook, but it'll be a couple a few weeks after the actual release. So it is going to be available on Audible. Um, but I don't have a hard release date on that. Uh, other than that, it should be up pretty much everywhere, I think, except iTunes and Kobo uh, don't have a pre-order page up yet, but that should be as of August 26th. Um, they should be live. Uh, everywhere else, books are sold. You should be able to order it and haul it off. And again, if you are at Gen Con, there will be 20, just 20 copies at the Indie Read Books uh, bookseller uh, uh, place in the dealer's room. So no, actually, there's, actually, there's only going to be 19 up. because I'm going to pick one up. <laughs> I know, I was going to say, I've heard it so people, well, I'm going to buy five copies. I'm like, those are going to go fast. So uh, there will be a couple, but not for long. So. Well, we will have to stop by and say hello yeah, we will. at Gen Con. Oh, totally. I'd love to meet you guys, yeah. And then, um, yes, everyone out there, go pick this book up because you will love it. Yeah, just plain and simple. And Revan will mess up and think that you're from Canada again. <laughs> Man. And that, yeah, I'll take hey, it. I'll hey. be like, that's right, don't you know, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just, uh, there's been a lot of stress the last couple of weeks, so <laughs> the fact my brain is not I working. Understand. I found a yeah. corpse apparently in the Batcave yeah. of our old you're intern. You're the one who found the corpse. There really isn't much apparent to it. So, yes. <laughs> there's just dead bodies floating everywhere apparently. Apparently. It's, like a, it's like a corn song. I know. Yeah, right? <laughs> okay. So, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Everyone, thank you uh, so much August 26th, run out, go buy a I copy would, of this book. Or yeah, if you're going to be at uh, Gen Con, if you're going to be in the uh, Indianapolis Gen Con. area go next snag one. week, go snag one, and you'll actually get to meet this wonderful person in person. And that in, means in you, get, you get the book early. Yeah. And then you can yeah. spoil it to everyone. <laughs> and she may <laughs> sign it. Uh, yeah, so uh, um, when book two is ready to come out, we'd love to have you back on the show. We'd love to hear about it. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to talk to you guys again. Thank you so much. All right. Have well, a thank great you so evening. Much, Excellent. Thank you. All right, you guys, too. Bye-bye. Enjoy the rest of the future. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> all right, that was Cameron Hurley. All right, yep. Historian, author, and all-around good gal, Cameron Hurley. Wow. Everyone. That's kind of scary, though. You know, you got cannibals running around. Well, I love it's it. It's awesome. I know, it's great. Yeah, I, I love, love that. that. The, the, the Three-gendered polyamorous yes. cannibals. Yes. The funny thing that kind of <laughs> went through my mind is, you know, the, the general archetype of most evil people is they usually end up having a goatee. Yeah. What's Joe's evil nemesis going to look like? I I already know. A chops? Nope, 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 nope. This is it's perfect. I already have. I already know exactly what it's going to be. <laughs> All right. Okay. Have you thought about this? I have. He's got. He's going to have the trident hawk. So he's going to. It's going to come up the back, split around the side, almost like Picard, and then down the middle, and it's just shaved all the way back. Okay. It's go- then the Very top tuned. is spiked. Okay. And no he's going to Mad Max territory. And he's going to have tons of piercings up up both ears with chains coming down. Hooking to the bottom, piercing in his bottom lip. Okay, some dermal studs. Yep. That yeah. Kind of thing. Well, I, <laughs> and we, we, we then don't need he, to ask the question about what my evil persona. And then he like wears latex and spikes. Evil lane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I am evil flagoon. So, so evil. Are, fla- yeah. So the yeah. the alternate good uh, flagoon. Good flagoon will be very skinny, very 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 uh, happy go lucky, super optimistic. And so cheerful, you, you want to strangle him. I am like a cheerful no, no. person you ever meet. Good Flagoon and is going to make most missionaries sick because he is so good. <laughs> so hold no, Good Flagoon <laughs> is a ginger. Oh, oh. even better. No, that, I think that would be, that'd be like, that'd be like uh, Bizarro <laughs> Flagoon. <laughs> <laughs> like Bizarro Superman, not very... All there. That'd be the. Yeah. He'd be. He'd Can be a special one then. Can we make Ben than Ginger? Uh, I, I don't yeah. know if that's possible. He's yeah. Asian. Oh. So he's yeah. gonna be Ginger. Can, can Asians be Ginger? Sure, why not? Is there a redheaded Ginger Asian? He's half Asian. In the mirror world. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Explain it. We're talking about Bizarro world where everything is possible. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna take a uh, break. we and then recoup, and then we'll come back with some right. geek news and, and we, uh, stretch our legs. Before we go out on that break, uh, this next half of the uh, show is gonna be brought to you by gentlemen. Oh, whoa. whoa, wrong one. It's gonna be brought to you by <laughs> Doctor Doom, I guess. <laughs> So this is going to be brought to you by Audible.com. So if you want to get yourself a free, that is right, free audiobook, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio, or even easier, just hit the Audible link on our, on our homepage, and it'll take you right over to Audible. You sign up for your uh, free book right then and there. You can download it. If you don't want to uh, stay a member, you can quit anytime. That book is yours for free. If you want to stay a member, though, 30% discount, and every month you get a free credit that goes to your next book. Audible is awesome. Get it. And if you paid attention, Cameron's new book's coming on Audible. So, hey, yeah, you no can pick it up then. Save up, I'm, trying save to, I'm trying to get one, like, you know, said nicely. No, that so, was perfectly so that packaged. So cut that one. And so, like, Joe, I don't have to continually do my Audible drop. I know. All right. So we will be back after this. Ciao. Gentlemen! Behold! Dungeon Crawler Radio!
I remember when the sun still shines. I remember the night and days when the children laughed and sang songs to play. I'm a shell of what I used to be. There's a monster inside of me. My dark soul is twisted black. I don't think there's any coming back. Here we sit in the sweat and sun. Flowing death for everyone. Slowly sinking in the gulf of guilt. Bloody bodies revealed a filth. Our end has come. And for us the apocalypse has begun. Gotta hear the things I have to do. I kept my head. I've been sure. There's a dolphin man standing in the shadows When he calls your name, his voice is strong and clear It's a dark and smoky place, so you can't quite see his face He pulls you close and whispers in your ear And he tells you he was born into some money But it didn't mean he had to sit around 
a thing or two about the things that you should do. You don't want to take life lying down. First of all, hang out a lot with Hemingway. Spend some time fighting bulls in Spain. You should go three rounds with Archie Moore and Sugar Ray. So damn scary you won't mind the pain. Fear inside at the rumble in the jungle. Make friends. All right, well, welcome back, everyone. Wow, that was really loud. I don't know why. Welcome in. Bienvenue. Welcome back to Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where we don't know what we're doing at all. And I don't know why I'm doing that accent. It, all it, right. It's like, whose line is it anyway, where the uh, points are made up and the score doesn't matter. Where the show is made up and nothing where matters. The score, yeah, the show is made up and nobody knows what is I really can't up. hear you. Did, did you turn me down again? And, well, Johan all the mics were down. Really, oh. really quiet. But now I can hear you. See, I have to readjust your volume. Sorry. You like I feel like this. I've been doing really good lately. You must check. Okay, you, use your, you, you were in drama, diaphragm. right? Yeah. Speak and from my your teacher diaphragm. would always yell at me. And I've heard you sing, and you can project uh, when you she sing. Can project. I know, I, I can. I mean... Okay, so you're, you're singing now. That's so, all you get to do. No. You, you so, have to sing for the so rest of the So you either have show. to sing, or you have to project okay, the voice. Okay. I will project. Awesome. I am not going to sing. <laughs> okay. So I... I have exciting news. Or, or yes, what is your exciting news? So, the, C- the co-CEO of Walt Disney announced today that they're making a Star Wars theme park. That's old news. <laughs> Whee! No, it's not. I heard of that like two weeks ago. No, it was announced today. Well, then they must have officially it? announced it, but I heard it through the grapevine like oh, two weeks ago. Fine, Mr. Because you're they the own Star Wars, and who in their right mind doesn't want to go to a Star Wars theme park? 
I know. I mean, do so you want to go to Star Trek theme park? I know for a fact I would sell one of my kids to be able to go. Well, you have like 12 of them, so you wouldn't really be missing out on money. I don't have 12. Disney World. Disney World, who cares? As long as we can get a shot of the whole team boarding the Millennium Falcon. I mean, come on, right? All of us getting on top? On I, that? I don't know. I think it would just be really fun to freeze Ben in carbonite. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Even makes that funny face. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's a good idea. And we could have, we could have Colin go, I love you, and he can go, I know, and then we can drop him in the carbonite. <laughs> that would happen. Yeah, it would. Wait a minute, where's our pizza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were late. That's the rule. That's, Otherwise, yeah. something really bad happened. Oh, my gosh. I forgot that oh. one. Oh. Wait, but no one ever brings me gummy bears. So? Oh, what's up with that noise? Well, other people are late. They never bring me gummy bears. Well, you have to bring them up with the other people. Yeah, you got to bring them up with the other late people. <laughs> so something like really bad happens now. Oh, dear. Let's see, because Colin, we were I'm putting kidding. him on a dating thing. We can't do that because you're married. No. we gotta, we got to think of something before the end of the show. Ah, this is Utah. We can set her on another dating thing. <laughs> oh. yeah, I get a multiple husband. <laughs> I'm And then she goes, cannibalism. All right. No, no, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, what, I mean, that is cool. That's what we call so, a win-win. So then, uh, <laughs> I mean, what, do you know any other details about the theme park? There isn't any other details. No, no other. release date, no time period, nothing. Just that they've said officially they are going to make But it. I would say, knowing Disney, it's probably about three to four years out. Probably. Which Maybe. would, co- if not, they'll probably rush it so it coincides with the same time the release of episode yeah, seven. It, oh, then the I graphics are going to be bad. And the, <laughs> no, no, no. So <laughs> the, that's only a year. The user interface yeah, is going right. to be broken. It's going to be so filled with bugs. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, oh, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of when they... Jar Jar Binks is going to be running everywhere. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks is going to be like 12 Jar Jar. Have you seen the... The video out there where um, Benedict Cumberbatch does an entire thing where he is imitating Jar Jar Binks. Really? <laughs> There's a video floating out there. Wow. He is doing it. It is hilarious. you got to find it. I have to look that up. Uh, I'm gonna, it I saw page. it earlier. Yeah, I may have to find the, it and throw it on our page. Yeah, throw that yeah. on, the Facebook, on the Facebook page. Yeah. We will find it. Yeah. Just look up, uh, I think, like Benedict Cumberbatch, Jar Jar Binks. I'm yeah. pretty sure that'll bring something. Let me yep. try that. So, um... While you're looking for that, though, you, you, you brought someone along. I did. So, oh, the reason I was late. Yes, the reason you were late. Yeah, and I you might as well give him some airtime. Yeah, um, so I have a friend here, Aaron Sutherland, and he and I are, well, he really is bringing me on to help him out. I don't know okay, here, here, here's me. one problem. You gotta talk right into the mic. You're talking and moving the mic away. So it's going away from my face. So we're planning a can't stop the Serenity charity event. Uh, awesome. All of the proceeds go to Equality Now, Joss um charity. So say hi. We just came from a meeting at Megaplex where no one had watched Firefly or what? Serenity. Wow. <laughs> what? I. I feel really? like I'm joining a slightly different crowd right Are now. Are they all like 13-year-olds? No, they're all... Middle-aged. Middle-aged. So they're like 40-year-old yeah. people that believe what? Fox is the devil. I, I don't think they're that into it. They run a theater and... Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. It was At least weird. one of the ladies had heard of Firefly. And she didn't really care for it. No. Ooh. Well, she, she hadn't watched it at all, so... Yeah. So, yeah. Then, so how were you going about selling them on, the, on this idea? Well, the... In this exchange, I'm the one being sold. I'm giving them my hard-earned credits. 
It's true. Ah. <laughs> Which is why there's a Kickstarter. Yes. Let's uh, thank you for the segue. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a CSTS event coming up on September 20th at Megaplex Jordan Commons in Sandy. Uh, there's a Kickstarter up. Uh, Kickstarter.com. You just look for VIP Serenity Sandy. And it is a great platform to buy tickets in advance. It's the only way you can get them for now. And, uh, yeah, uh, all proceeds to benefit uh, Serenity Now. Equality Now. Equality Now and Can't Mm -hmm. Stop the Serenity. Thank you. Yep. Hmm. Who would have known? I could go watch Serenity at my old high school. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Or what used to be my old high school. (laughs) The the remnants. used to be your old high school? Yes, Jordan wow. Commons is where Jordan High School used to be. I that's, have no idea. That's the so reason why the State Street side has those weird pillars. Yeah, it oh. look the State Street side looks exactly like the old high school used to. Uh, not oh. exactly. Well, like pretty dang close. Yeah. Yeah. Close-ish. Okay. But uh, yep. So then, what what served as the impetus then of uh, of of bringing this up as a charity event as opposed to just uh, I guess a, a fan showing? Well, I think we found a healthy balance of both. To be honest, uh, those who know Joss Whedon well and uh, his mother also were very involved in Equality Now, Mm -hmm. which fights against inequality against women and girls across the the globe. Mm -hmm. And uh, so being big Firefly fans and uh, Utah Browncoats, as it were, Mm -hmm. (laughs) utahbrowncoats.com. Awesome plug. (laughs) It seemed seemed like a, a very healthy marriage. And we've been having CSTS events at Bruvies for several years, mm-hmm. uh, and we wanted to open up an event that was more intimate and also more age-friendly, as Bruvies is only 18 and up, or 21 and up. So uh, this was a good fit. It's, it's the first year. We're going to give it a try. So far, the response has been great. And uh, while I'm at it, thank you for having us on and mentioning it. Meh, no problem. This, I just want to mention, you? this charity, it's a global thing now. It's not just in Utah. Mm-hmm. And um, this year's tally for donations is over $12,000 already for events that have already happened. Yeah. And since 2006, they've made over $900,000 for Equality Now. Wow. So it's, so, it's awesome. It kind of makes you feel extra good about being a Firefly fan. <laughs> and, and you can dress up like Captain Mal and uh, walk around the Megaplex with a gun on your uh, hip. No one will. No one will. Who doesn't want to do that? Now, now when Actually, is the showing? Uh, the showing is at noon. The VIP lounge opens at 10:30 a.m. for nice. misbehaving and shindigging <laughs> and cosplaying and all that good stuff. And then at 11:30, we'll slowly move into the theater itself, and we'll have an auction or a raffle to generate even more money for Equality Now. And the movie begins again at noon. Nice. And then, so you'll be just be showing the movie Serenity. You will not be showing airing like the episodes or anything like that. Yes, and I won't say more because Fox is nearby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always watching. Always watching. You know, the positive side of that, though, is Universal Pictures has made uh, the, the digital copy of Serenity available at a discounted rate to CSTS events specifically. Oh, cool. And so we really want to thank uh, Paramount Pictures and CSTS and uh, everyone who supports the event. Wow. Very good. Now, if only we could talk Larry Korea into asking Adam Baldwin to show up. That would be Yeah, you know how awesome. amazing that would be. That just would be. just as the movie ends, he's like, so did you like that movie? Now get out. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> he's a, he's a be like tall a and intimidating person. Too. He is, but amazing. Uh, this is oh, something nice. that was crazy. Nathan is like taller than him. Yeah. 
Yeah, they are very. I didn't realize he was that tall. But yeah. And good looking. Well, you you drew. Well, everybody yes. knows about the dreaminess of Nathan Fillion. Yeah, my picture with Zakora like drew it, 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 and touched his hand. But when it comes to those weird t- those yeah. those occasions where it's like, <laughs> oh, that actor is actually like. Barely five feet tall. Gee, he looks taller in the movies. Yeah. No, they actually make them try to look shorter in the movies. Yeah. So. Yep. so is Tom Cruise the bizarro Malcolm Reynolds? He probably, probably is. He's very short. I don't even think I'd classify him as bizarro. He's just... Not of this he is. dimensional he is realm. I've seen Tom Cruise. That's Cesaro if I ever. No, he, he just, he's he's gone. He's out of here. He is not from this universe no. or this or this dimension or realm. Have you guys seen yeah, right? those things that go around Facebook every once in a while, like Are pictures of the, celebrities? The memes from, you're talking about? Not no, they're not memes. They're from like old fashioned like old pictures. Oh yeah, where they match somewhere. Yeah, where, like, have you have you Nicolas seen Cage that looks. They I have know, an old he's one everywhere. From like, yeah. There's Nicolas Cage. I think there's one of Eddie Murphy. It, they're, they're awesome. I love I them. just think <laughs> if you if you look hard enough, you will find someone that looks similar to someone else, and you, you can prove. Or so, there's yeah. vampires. Which or I Nicolas like, Cage I is like just an immortal vampire that's trying to reinvent himself by being an actor that always has the same personality in every show he's in. Well, he is in, like, what, 70-plus films, so... Yeah. I'm so glad Tim Burton never made a Superman movie. <laughs> Him, Nicolas Cage as Superman would have been that, horrible. That his his yeah. uniform, his his costume was so pimping, though. What are you talking about? Okay, I'll give you that much. His his costume would have been would have warranted would have your, been, his plus that would have been your plus twenty to pimp co- your pin. That would have, yeah. that, have, that would have just been worthy to go. All right, to see to see that just uniform outfit. Costume. Yeah, it's the only way it would have been more pimping is if it was printed in leopard print. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Superman in leopard print. Yeah. I don't see it. Is that kind of along the same lines as like the sports teams that have the camo jerseys now? Yeah. 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 Just leopard print mm-hmm. to superhero. All superheroes show up in leopard Man. print. Yeah. So so what about uh, like uh Chitara, what is yeah, she? Chitara or 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 that, that one cat lady that uh Cheetah, yeah, that Wonder Woman's always fighting. I mean, she's always jeans, short. Yeah. t-shirt. Yeah, there you go. You're going right. in the opposite direction. All right. Oops, back Fair on. enough. Okay, so <laughs> go out there, purchase your ticket on the Kickstarter, because who doesn't want to see Serenity on the big screen? Again. Yeah. With surround sound and a bunch, well, let's just face it, you're going to be surrounded by your closest amigos and padres because they're all going to be dressed up just like you. <laughs> or if you're not, you'll enjoy yourself anyways. And I can just imagine everybody just all saying the same time, I am a leaf on the wind. Yes. Right at the, <laughs> the mantra. And then weeping. And yes. then weeping. <laughs> so, or, oh. move, wash! Spoiler alert. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, wash dies. Oh, my gosh. If we, if we, <laughs> get, spoilers. If we interview Alan Tudyk, we have to have him say that. You're watching, yeah, yeah, the whole... I was wanting him to do something Dungeon Crawler's Radio. Candy voice. And I'm going to be found the way. No, no, King Candy. King Candy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, uh, so again, the Kickstarter, uh, where can we, uh, what will we look up to get the Kickstarter? So, on the Kickstarter, oh, wait. I put it on up. our Facebook page. Oh, look at I'm you. So, oh, the I know. Bam. That is it. shiny. 
<laughs> or go to kickstarter.com. Uh, look for VIP Serenity Sandy. All right. Thank you, guys. Yep. All right. Yeah, do, we wanna, yep. do we want to do a quick little bit of uh, geek news? Or? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, Transformers 4 Age of Extinction has uh, finally made $1 billion. Yes. About bloody time. A billion dollars. Yes, Dr. Evil is... From very crappy trans- Decepticons. Yeah, you know. I'm sorry. It's horrible. You guys have known I've defended the Transformers stuff. I don't know why you have, but yes. This movie sucked. No plot. Four hours worth of no plot. And this is one thing that completely baffles me. So we got beat up Optimus Prime in the square diesel, which was awesome because that's how Optimus Prime should be. That's what I'm used to. Okay. Super beat up. We know that Cade, the human, has repaired him to the best of his abilities, which we know is not that amazing because he's human. And he's, he's no ratchet. And he sees this Pimpin' truck, he scans it, and then he's completely and totally healed, and everything's fixed, and he's, he's awesome. What yeah. the heck? What's up with that? Why didn't he just do that in the first place? Kay didn't need to do anything. He's Optimus Prime. He didn't care. Two. He's like, screw this noise. That'd be well, a boxy truck. This giant ship is taking off, and they send a bunch of aliens to chase after the humans. Why? They weren't important. Then... As Bumblebee is, they're kicking their butt, Bumblebee is going down the freeway underneath this underpass and just decides, to, oh, I'm going to go up through the top of it. What the heck? And then the, tra- the Decepticons don't really transform. They digitize and then become a robot. What? Ooh, that sounds cool. <laughs> so you're saying I should go see this movie? Um, um, I'm buying it just the, because I, opposite I have of, to, oh, okay. because That's I have to complete the, the series. But but I'm gonna honestly say to rate this one. Wait till it comes to Redbox or someone lends it to you. <laughs> okay. Like steal somebody's password to Netflix and then watch it. Not that we condone stealing, of course. No, oh, yeah, I, of course. Borrow, or, or, if or just someone buys it, just borrow it from them. Yeah. Or go pay a buck. On, well, it's not a buck. Watch it's it a on an 20. in-flight movie. We have moral boundaries on this show. Am I, yeah. Am I crossing uh, there are some. loose okay. one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, but. If you have absolutely nothing to do and it's going to cost you little to nothing to watch it, there you go. Okay. This movie literally, the other three at least have a beginning, the story goes over, and then it ends. So if you can okay. call any of those stories. Well, yeah, okay. This one, it's a precursor to a next movie. I mean, literally, Optimus Prime flies off with his sword and shield looking for the creators. So we is, know they're talking about the Quintessons. While he's writing the, uh, the, the mechanical... Oh, don't even, don't even give me no? the, the Dinobots. No. For crying out loud. Optimus Prime three punches Grimlock, and then Grimlock's like, okay, I guess I'll, uh, I'll follow you. <laughs> it's like, seriously? Three punches. And then the rest of the Dinobots like, okay, I guess we follow. Wow. I, so yeah. It's just as devoid of substance as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> me Grimlock him. No, okay, I'm not All right. Oh, and they don't even talk. Oh, really? The Dinobots, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would have been cool. It's like, me Grimlock not listen to you. Nope. Nope. Nothing. Grr. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, me Grimlock am disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> Grimlock was a disappointment. The only cool thing that came out of Grimlock was he blew fire 
That's why it's good really? to yeah. not keep your hopes up. Well, and this is the the other thing that so just made no bad, sense. when it's bad, you don't hurt. It doesn't hurt your feelings. But if it's good, you're pleasantly surprised. See, this is the other thing that. So we have Decepticons that digitize, and I'll add Colin here in just a second. So you have De- Decepticons. You know, you see Gr- Galvatron coming in, which is really Megatron, but a new body, and they fire a missile at him, and he digitizes and flies around the bullets and the rockets. Pretty awesome. And then there's this huge battle with all these Decepticons, but they're getting blown up and not dodging bullets. What's the point of showing that Yeah. if they're not doing that? Because it's a cool-looking effect. And let me guess, slow motion. Yeah. Yes, okay, yeah. we're moving on. Okay. All right. Okay, I got some more geek news. Um, Sorry, yeah, it's, we're, a, it's we're, a thorn in my side. We're about, we're about ready. It's like now. dragons that don't have four legs and wings. Colin, I'm trying to connect you. Quit calling in because we yeah. can't add you. I found yeah, we Jar Jar Binks impersonation. Yeah, Colin. Awesome. I explained <laughs> that to you last week that the if you call in and we accept your call. Oh, that's call, right. We can't add calls. You have we to call are, in. We, For some reason, Skype isn't letting us add yeah, calls. But it, yeah, and it won't let us add calls. So you have to actually physically call us. Please call 626-226-1475. That's right, Colin. You know the number. You should. <laughs> should. Yeah, so we're Although, done for the last few minutes of, uh, of Geek News here, yeah. so we need to get the Yeah, let's just bang up get, the last this, one. get this rolling along. I I'm so excited for Gamer Forge, sorry. I should have saved, uh, saved that one for last so we couldn't talk about it for <laughs> as long as we did. Yeah, so... Uh, Probably. So a uh, photographer over in the UK by the name of... Well, I won't say his name, but he comes from the uh, from a town called Colford in the Forest of Dean in the UK, uh, is claiming that he lost a, a whopping 10,000 pounds uh, of income due to Wikipedia. He, uh, he had lost a camera while he was on the... Um, oh, I heard about this one. Yeah, he was on a, uh, um, uh, a jungle um, a vacation. And Excursion. a monkey stole yeah, a mon- the camera. A monkey, uh, uh, and a, a monkey <laughs> had swiped his camera... And started taking selfies oh with God. his camera. <laughs> <laughs> and so when he, uh, when the pictures finally surfaced up on Wikipedia, um, and they're kind of adorable. They're nice looking pictures too. They're actually like nice and clear and stuff. Um, but better uh, than cute. actual human taking b- selfies too. <laughs> I know. That's <laughs> just strange. Colin has returned. What's up, beautiful people? So, um, y- yeah, you're you're not on the show. Because you're on a date, and if you're on a date, and you're I'm not on a date. And, and apparently, well, why not? Ben is stalking you because he's afraid that you're cheating. <laughs> he's in the bushes right now. He's in the bushes, dude. Stalking me? Oh, yeah. That's really because he thinks, he thinks you, Yeah, he thinks <laughs> oh. you're cheating on him, dude. So that one bush that's following yeah. you, Ben, <laughs> really, really fast. <laughs> yeah, that's a really fast bush. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, so Joe was you know, Joe was sharing. Oh. oh, Joe sharing. Joe was sharing with us Shout his news. The monkeys. Yeah, the monkey, the selfie-taking monkey. Uh, but the pictures ended up on on Wikipedia, illustrating the uh, critically endangered macaca nigra, um, say black uh, black-crested monkey. Yeah. Um, but because the pictures ended up on Wikipedia, they became public domain, and therefore the owner gets. Zero dollars. The monkey put the pictures up on Wikipedia. Well, the pictures were there. The camera was eventually recovered. Yes. Well, no, the monkey is, figured it out. Well, is, if, if it's a monkey that can take really good selfies, I wouldn't be surprised if it could actually post things up on Wikipedia. Well, the thing with the case is, is he's trying to have them removed because he yeah. says they're my photos. Right. But Wikipedia is saying, 
No, technically the photos belong. Or the owners of the photos are the monkeys. So yeah. So they should compensate the monkeys. Needless to say, this is probably going to end up in a court battle, and the photos are going to be removed, and he's going to get property of them because, well, it was yeah. So it's, internet, it's find dumb. those uh, find those selfies and copy them. Yeah. Yes. So uh, for those of you, Josh Whedon just posted pictures. I don't know why Josh you, you always pronounce it Josh. I know. I, Josh. Sorry. It's because I'm... Yeah. You know, Josh Whedon. Somewhere Josh Whedon is because not hurt. Because officially today, he wrapped right. up Avengers yeah. Age of Ultron. Nice. And he tweeted some pictures. I'm so So, uh, And at the bottom of the picture, it says, what the hell do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> it's very easy. I mean, Dr. Horrible, sing-along blog, part two. <laughs> There you now go. Now think about there, this. He finished this movie picture. while he was on drugs. He just been <laughs> counting drugs because of his leg injury. Even better. Sweet. So we're going to see like a 30-minute so, so really interesting. There's going to be a 30-minute hold on a can of mayonnaise <laughs> while, while the rest of the show like goes on in the background. So as long as actually... Scarlett Johansson is is, you know, un- undoing the man. I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> so there's there's a photo floating around um, with Chris Pratt. They have oh, superimposed... So you're, you're going into another, another well, news thing? They've superimposed his face over Indiana Jones' body. Okay. Oh, they're saying... Good. I mean, it literally looks right. pretty serious. Yeah. He could probably pull off Indy. He does. Yeah. So, I'll put that up later. So, so uh, go ahead real quick. I could see him as an Indiana. Good old... Good old World of Warcraft is turning 10 years old this year. And what is everybody getting for playing and their, uh, their devotion to the game? What? A puppy! Everybody's getting pet. a molten corgi pet. So one of the vanity pets molten they're going to be getting at is going to be a uh, little corgi dog. He's so cute! Hey, I'm thinking about him in the Ooh, instead of guava pet from Pokemon, really you got lava pet. Yeah. And then yeah. they're going to be reopening up Molten Core as a 40-man uh, raid again, which will be kind of a re- uh, return back to the vanilla WoW, WoW days. And they're also going to be uh, um, they're also going to be reintroducing a PvP group finder, so you you don't have to have a guild of 700 people to actually get a raid on anymore. You mean uh, not? You mean you don't mean PvP group? P- mean- a PVE. Yeah. What is that noise? I think I think Colin is getting swallowed into the uh, into the pits of hell. <laughs> maybe it's, wow. maybe it's taking my my intake. Perhaps that was crazy. Uh, another one of the uh, things you're going to be giving you crazy. is uh, get a chance to uh, take out Ragnaros, and if you do, you get a Corhound mount to go with oh. your Corgi. So there you go. Wow. Uh, they're also going to be bringing back some of the old classic PvP arenas and uh, battlegrounds. So uh, be on the lookout there, uh, WoW people, for those of, you know three of you who were able to get off of your game and then you know listen to the show and then get back on. So wow. no more of that. No. Okay. All right, let's, that's what I got. We jump into GamerForge because oh, we lost Colin. Colin went somewhere. Hi, Colin. Like okay. I said, he was being swallowed into the pits of hell. <laughs> Apparently so. So, if you, yeah, you can call back. If you, 
All right, so uh, should we jump into the Gamer Forge? Sure. I think we should. It's All right. time. Tink, 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 tink. Clang, 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 bong, 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 So can bong. someone explain what the Gamer Forge is? For those of you that are just tuning in for the first time, shame on you, but hey. Thanks no, no, no us. shame on you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> you should have been tuning in yeah. weeks ago yeah. or years ago. We'll, we will excuse your shame Luckily, if you continue to listen. we're archived, so you can listen to the other shows. Boom! It's okay. Yeah! Where can they find the archive, by the way? I don't know. <laughs> on iTunes, <laughs> on Stitcher, and wherever. Log talk. You guys always say it, so I don't memorize. You it. should memorize this stuff. <laughs> this is your job. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, the Gamer Forge is a segment that we donate. I lovingly say donate to gamers everywhere who have problems with uh, any of the games that they are currently running or playing, and need solutions that are not necessarily covered in books or pamphlets or any kind of Wikipedia pages. Um, anything from moral conundrums to flat out, how much does this weigh or can this spell work? That's kind of what we do. We put our heads together and hopefully come up with some answers that maybe we help you, you haven't thought Help of. your story along. Help your character building along. Yep. Resolve any sort of conflict. Now, you know, these, these aren't set in stone. These aren't 100%, uh, you know, really proven facts. But I would just like to say that it, it's a good suggestion from a, what, what would be the, a, uh, my brain has stopped working. I, I just. You're giving me crap. I, I know, right? <laughs> All right. I, I'm sorry. So. An objective point of view. Yeah. There we go. So well, I also so want to announce. Eventually I will get objective. to what I was. <laughs> I, I do want to announce it, we've kind of hit a we hit a milestone a little while ago, but I did I we haven't announced it Ooh, tonight. What, 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 tonight is officially our three hundred and fourth episode. Wow, three hundred and four, three hundred and four. We have done three hundred and four shows. Wow, woohoo! That is, us. you know, it, it it doesn't really feel like three. It feels like two hundred and ninety six. Three hundred four. Because there was a while there we did two shows a week. So yeah. Yep. Wow. So our three hundred and fourth show. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, tell me about and it. We're I've been here. Still I've been, going. I know, right? All right. Just wait till we add a TV show into that. Oh uh, yes. Oh yeah. By the Let way, it. we're thinking about adding a TV show. No, we already announced that. Okay. Yeah. You weren't there at Fantasy. Oh Con. well, screw you guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, screw so, you guys. Yeah. On to, on to we're doing a TV show. All right, uh, moving on. So, the Gamer Forge. Mm-hmm. He's right. opening, looking around. He's I got one. All right, so this one's pretty easy, but it's about 5th edition. I will say, throw your dice at the DM. Um, Greg writes in. Hi, Greg. How are you doing? Is Forgotten Realms the default setting in 5th edition? Uh, in 3rd edition, it was, the default setting was Greyhawk. Fourth edition, uh, the default setting was Points of Light in the, few, in the few, first few adventures, and then it was pretty much uh, Shadowfell and the Pyramids of Shadow. Uh, so where is fifth edition set? Ooh. I, haven't, I already know the answer, but... You already know the answer? Yeah, I saw okay. you had the core set back of your car. <laughs> no, it's just a start. It's a starter set. Yeah, just a starter set. But the, I, I haven't had a chance to look at the starter set yet. So I mean, we'll no, it, it's it is Forgotten Realms. It is, I, it I, is figured, I figured. I figured. I figured that's what yeah. uh, what uh, 
Oh. Well, and the only reason I know that is because is that's what Wizards told us at Gen Con last year. Yeah. 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 They're they're staying in for in uh, they're, they're, Forgotten Realms. They are staying in uh, Forgotten Realms, and that's what Second Edition was in anyway. So yeah. they're they're going back to that. Keeping into familiar territory. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but aren't they bringing Kinders in, into the world? Yeah, that is what I've heard, but I have not seen okay. anything officially yet. All right. And if that is the case, I must kick someone at Gen Con. I literally must, because there is no point in bringing Kender. Well, when we... Uh, Leave them in well, Dragonland. When we get to talk to Mike Merles, we can just I say, will kick you, Mike. We, we can, Sorry, yeah. but if the Kender are in there, I will kick you. Can we just say, hey, Mike, would you mind turning around that way just for a second here? Boot. I, I, I kick it, you in the shin. It will be a shin. Okay. But I'm sorry. That's just oh, yeah. But I mean, good. I mean, it's it's great that they're going to be going back, I guess, to familiar territory. Yeah. Because they have an opportunity to sort of they sort of filled the mine again, yeah. and now they get to dig it all out. Well, not only that, Ed Greenwood, Ed Greenwood, ugh, the genius that he is, has already built most of this, so they don't really need to do much more. I mean, he started this when he was six. And, you know, when we talked to Bob last, you know, as far as the years and the calendar and that, he, you know, he didn't have to create those. Mm-hmm. Bob, I, the, those were already created by Ed. And it was just crazy uh, how much detail is in this world that he's created. So I think, you know, it's best because then they don't have to really, they don't have to go back to, you know, back and recreate the will because he's already he's still creating it and continuing mm-hmm. it so alright should we move on to the next one sure. that would be a good idea alright Steve writes in Steve. as a GM can oh. I roll in secret so my players don't even know I rolled for example a PC walks past the secret door if I ask the player to roll perception he may suspect there is something behind there can I roll behind the GM screen for him to see if he passed the check and act accordingly. And I don't mean to hide the result of the roll, but to hide the fact that I rolled at all. I don't see why not. That's Yeah, that's one way of if, doing it. I mean, if there's a secret door and they wouldn't... I just think it adds to the role-playing aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind if, that, if my GM did that. So you wouldn't mind if the GM rolled a perception check for your character. No, 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 isn't he... No, he's rolling the perception check for oh, his character. Oh, okay. Because, you know, a lot of the time, you know, you're walking down a hallway, hey, roll, roll a perception check for me. Mm-hmm. Then you're saying, like, wait a minute, there is something here. I, you know, so I can kind of see where he's, uh, the GM's coming from. Yeah, because yeah, we're, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're crossing into the boundaries of metagaming. Yeah. And so I, maybe the question would be then is, how do we... How, how do we disguise the role, and do we need to roll? So here's what you do. Instead of uh, disguising the role, you just start adding in surpipulous, like, useless roles. You're just like, yeah. roll an awareness check. I got a 96. You notice that it's sunny outside. Yeah. That's exactly what I used to do um, when I had my characters. I had one guy who was a total metagamer, and if you asked for a perception check... He would do like 15, I'm going to smell, I'm going to listen, I'm yeah. going to look, and, and try everything he could to figure out what it was that I was asking for the roll for. So there'd be times where I'd just grab a handful of dice, throw them behind the GM screen, and then be like, okay, everybody roll a perception check. And it'd be three nat 20s sitting on the table. Okay, let's go. 
you know, and it was just something to kind of throw them off. So they never knew if I what what I was doing was serious or yeah. just to keep them on their toes. Well, I, and I I I can see him wanting to make the role, but him wanting to make the role kind of takes the the player's control away. Yeah, it takes yeah, it, it takes the game away from the player. Sure. I, I guess I can see it, but it's it's a it's a passive yeah. check, right? So it's not something that the player is actively initiating. I mean, the player could go five feet and do a perception check, perception check yeah. all the way down the hallway. But on those types of passive things where, you know, the, the GM, it's at, to me, it seems um, much more in line with just keeping the story going and, mm-hmm. and not getting into the rules to be like, hey, you, you notice that, you know, there's a, a, a larger crack in the wall at this section of the, of the hallway or something. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's just something to, to maybe along with your story. Yeah, yeah, something to maybe clue them in, but yeah. make it you know. But I guess and sometimes be I guess innocuous because sometimes a crack in the wall is just a crack in the wall. Yeah, yeah. and so you got to you know got to keep them honest every once in a while. Um, I'm a big fan of kind of keeping an eye on um, keeping my eye on what their particular modifiers and specialties are. Because, mm-hmm. like, let's say um, let's say in this instance, you know, the, they're getting to roll, like, perception checks or spot checks or whatever. If they're already getting, like, a plus 20 to spot checks, I, I would just say hand wave it and just say, hey, you walk by and you notice something's right here. You notice that it could very well be a, a, a secret passage. Yep. Rather, than, rather than make a roll at all. So that way, they still have control over the situation because mm-hmm. at that point, it's up to them to continue to invest. Well, and I also, you're just telling them because they're already good enough to see yeah. it, or they're so good at see, they're so good at it that oh, the actually, odds of them are the odds of them not seeing it are very very slim. So we actually have a message on our uh, Facebook uh, pertaining to this from Andrew Cook. How you doing, Andrew? He says, "What about pre-rolling perception checks for things like that?" Uh, I hate doing pre-rolls. Because that can sort of skew results. So yeah. everybody walk in here it's and everybody a, roll a perception check just for the, the future well-being. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I can see the value of that, but at the same time, the the pre-roll maybe you know the say let's say we're doing a bunch of bogus ones, so that we're kind of throwing everyone off. So maybe he's he they rolled really well on the two really dumb ones, yeah. and then when it comes time that they really need that perception check to find maybe the hidden chamber that goes to where the object is, well, that one was totally hosed. Well, this, is, this is what I would kind of look at it was, is if it's kind of like a gimme that they are in this room and they are looking for secret passage to go into the, uh, go into the basement, they are going to be searching this room from stem to stern, from top mm-hmm. to bottom, all over the place. And if it's you know, an obvious thing, it's, like it's behind the bookshelf, that's going to be kind of like a gimme, because they're mm-hmm. obviously going to be looking behind there. I would say... You notice that there's a, uh, a door behind the bookshelf. Now, here's the kitsch, though. Where do you, what do you do to unlock said yeah. back door? That's what you're going to have to actually roll the perception check for. Well, well see, that, that I think we're getting too far into the minutia mm-hmm. of, yeah. of making the spot check. And so I, you can just sort of... Well, I, I, there's some factors, you know. Um, do they have abilities? Let him, let him do describe. they have racial traits? You know, like elves. Mm-hmm. They automatically detect that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, if they're an elf, maybe it's just a, hey, you know, your elven abilities detect that there's something unusual here. Maybe there's some air flow or something like that. So you don't need that perception check anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of going along the, the, the give me there. Yeah, just hand wave. Uh, you know, maybe... Hand wave a lot of this stuff, yeah, really. You know, maybe that they're a rogue and they have a feat or a skill or an ability that detects that. So you just kind of give that away. Yeah. 
instead of having to do that role. And then at that point, they're going to stop because they naturally detect it. But I would say otherwise, you know, they have to be the ones that are saying, hey, I want to kind of pay attention to the walls in this area. And then you can say, okay, give me a perception check. Otherwise, you know, if you're not paying attention, you're going to walk past it. Yeah. And there's no point throwing out, hey, give me a perception check, because they're not paying attention. Uh, I totally like the hand-waving option, but kind of going along the pre-roll uh, question, too. Um, I mean, if you've, got a, if you've got a scenario designed, and it calls for, you know, you know there will be three key perception mm-hmm. checks throughout, and you just have mm-hmm. people roll them before you even start the adventure for the night, and then you just clue the character in when they get to that part. Yeah. I mean, that, that could be a way to resolve it if you need yeah. to put an actual die roll okay. to, to it. I personally kind of hand wave and further the story along. That's my approach. Or you could you know, take in the, uh, the attentiveness of the players. If they're actually getting into the game and they're actually playing their characters well, you could hand wave it. Or if they're you know, faffing around and they're making meta jokes and they're you know, not necessarily screwing around playing, but they're, they're not really... You know, in the characters, yeah. not really in the moment. Yeah. Then, all right, screw you guys. You are you as uh, players are not being attentive, so your characters are not being attentive. Yep. So it's going to be a really hard uh, perception check because yep. you guys aren't really being perceptive. Okay. And I think the big question too is what are you, what what is the perception check for? Is it for you know a safe behind a painting or is it? to get to the lair of the big bad guy you're trying to kill because you're obviously someone's going to make that perception check to further the adventure along. Mm-hmm. So at that point, just, just hand wave it or put a little obstacle in front of them and then let it go. All right. Yeah. Make Let's it. move on. We've got about 15 minutes left of the show. So I think minutes, we got that 15. one covered. So good answers. All right. So uh, Scott writes in, a fellow Hi, player does not want me to role play. What do I do? Wait, what? Uh, one of the guys I'm playing with does not like role play. What, what I, I do? I think his definition of role so play is like, a little bit off. Yeah. yeah so hang on, hang know, on here, on. hang on here. I gotta, I gotta rub my eyes here. here let, let me pick your, let me pick your jaw up off the floor here, Joe. Okay. I'm just making so, sure I heard so, that right. So he's, your mouth. he's kind of giving an example here. So he's like, okay. I'm talking to the dog, saying, "Good dog, good dog," you know, reciting it as a hypnotizing mantra, and I point to the, uh, you know, I point out that I'm using my bardic muse. Uh, music uh, fascinate on my character sheet, so our DM knows what is what is going on mechanically. Yeah. And so what he's trying to make me do is just say, "I'm using my bardic music to fascinate this dog, simply and faster, maybe, but no satisfaction in it for me. Mm-hmm. I'm just using my bard class to represent non-bardic character concepts, uh, and repeating bard again and again would be against role playing. Can you help me out here? Oh yeah." Kick this guy out of your group now. <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, what a douche. <laughs> instead of saying, you know, turn it around and say, no, you spend this time, this, this game period role playing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you just what you came here to do. You're playing right? a role playing game. Yeah, I mean, uh, let, let me let me play uh, he, uh, let me play devil's advocate. Okay, on go ahead. Because I think what the uh, this is the DM who's telling the person to not role play, or is it just another player? No, there's another player. Okay, so the other player is telling probably, one another so, player in the group. Well, I, I would kind of see it as this way: this guy might be taking his role playing a little bit too far, and he's finding it as a distraction to the actual game itself, where he's, you know, instead of just possible, you know. Yeah. Doing a a a slow uh, um, you know role play of what he's doing or you know representation of what he's doing to uh, um, mesmerize this dog, you know he's taking way too long 
to to do it. He's okay. trying to do it in real time. Like writing right. sonnets. Yeah, yeah like writing a sonnet. Like, yeah, like yeah. So so things like that. So he he might he might just be like, okay. You take way too dang long just to do something that's just as simple as just saying, I speak so gently to the dog, oh, good puppy, good puppy, and then using my bardic abilities, uh, I will, you know, okay. do whatever uh, it is. Well, I can see that. So yeah, yeah that's, and that's just two, two sides of the same coin. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I would just kind of see it as the, the, the guy's probably looking in the term of the, uh, the saying of don't use, don't use ten words when five will do. Yeah. Okay. So the guy, was, uh, I believe it was... Um, so the guy might be a little impatient. He might be, you know, really more of wanting, not necessarily wanting to go into the role-playing of it, mm-hmm. but wanting to actually get into, you know, the nuts and the bolts and using the mechanics of the uh, of the game. So I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't say kick the kick the guy. Oh yeah, no, yeah, don't, don't do call that. the guy. You know, don't call the guy a douche. Don't don't be mean to this guy because you know he's. He's gaming for a different reason. Yeah. It, it sounds like he's gaming for a different reason. Yeah, and that's all that is. Try to find a middle ground where you can both meet, where you can do your you can do some role playing actions and you can you know, you can get into your character and do this, but you're not going so far into it that you're taking fifteen minutes to describe an action that would take maybe thirty seconds to do. That's very true. No, that you, sounds good. Yeah, because you can't you can't really get away with that in like uh, like live theater. Like, you could not, you literally could not tell the entire Lord of the Rings saga on stage. Oh, why not? You just could not. Seriously, why not? Because I don't want to be there for like 28 hours. Aww. You know, or uh, Samwise, uh, Samwise's. Uh, that's when we just, just Yeah. That's when you just jump on the Eagles, fly to Mount Doom, drop it in, and fly back. See, there you go. <laughs> that, that would be something I would pay to see. But the point, the, the, the point is, is that, you know, you're literally taking, you know, your spare time. This is your your spare time that you're using to play this game. You know, so ideally, you're probably getting maybe, you know, on average, I'd say anywhere between four and six hours out of your week. Some people do not view it as four to six hours of getting to pretend to be somebody else. They, you know, it's four to six hours of they want to go smash something. Or, you know, they got this really awesome character idea. They really want to go try it out. So I can't fault somebody for doing that as much as it's, you know, that's not exactly how I view it, like how I, why I play, but I don't fault anybody for, for seeing it that way. Yeah, because okay. like, like you said, we play for different reasons. Yeah. They're just, they're, they're, and try yeah. not to hinder the progression of the story. And, yeah. Yep. And so, the, yeah. so there has to be some sort of a, a commonality um, or a, a, a common ground that these, these two parties can, can reach, or at least an understanding of, I mean, I guess that is the core understanding that needs to be reached, is that player A plays for one reason and player B plays for another reason. Yeah. They both enjoy two, the same activity for two different reasons. And so to sort of punish either side for that is sort of like, uh, sort of defeats the purpose. Yeah. I remember reading a really good article a few years ago that talked about like the different players uh, in a, in a D and D group. One's there for character and story. One's there only to find the coolest treasure or the the next best item. You know, one's there just to bash skulls and being able to identify those players in your group and concede a little bit to everybody's agenda because mm-hmm. obviously we're all there as friends to play yeah. Yeah. and get along and kind of you know, either escape life or maybe just get out of the house for a couple hours or whatever it is. Yeah. We're all there to have fun 
and then we all have our agenda within the game. And yeah. If you can kind of concede a little bit to all of those players, uh, you know, the, the whole atmosphere around the table will increase and change, you know, for the better, most likely. So. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think, so, uh, I think we got that. Master, yeah, you hear that, whoever, whoever DM, is running your game? DM, you need to step yeah, in. DM and, needs to step in and actually you know, find a middle ground with these guys. Yeah. Pay attention All to right. what's going on. Michael writes in. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the Game Report. Can you explain... Throw dice at the DM. Hold on. Okay. Can you explain how the advantages and disadvantages system in 5th edition works? Ooh, man, we're getting a lot of 5th edition rules. It's oh, really it's popular. That, it's and this is actually, like it's coming out this yeah, month. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is actually pretty easy. Because um, I, I have been reading the rules in this, the starter guide. And I actually like this part uh, of the system. So how it works is when your character is in an advantageous situation where, you know, you have the advantage, you get to make two rolls. So the first, you roll and then take that number. So let's say the first roll is a 5. You roll a second time and you roll a 16. You take the better number. So mm-hmm. the 16 is now yours, what you go off of. Okay. Which is really great. That's nice. You know, it allows you to make a second roll to see if you do better. Now, if you're in a situation where you're at a disadvantage, it's just the opposite. So you roll two. So maybe that first roll is a 17, and then you roll again, and you get a two. Ooh. You take the two. You Ouch. take the two. Wow. So, Brutal. Um, wow, man, my... Oh, ow. Yeah, but <laughs> I know it just makes me but, want to play a little bit better, so I'm no, so I'm not at a disadvantage. But no, it, it actually it it makes some fun in the gameplay, but it really amps up those moments when you have the advantage, and then you really dread the moments when you have that disadvantage. But you know, it, they have to counterbalance it because if they're going to give you the one, they got to give you the other. And I yeah. would think that you could use this uh, use this uh, uh, mechanic to kind of speed up fights that have uh, kind of gone in so uh, too yeah. long. So you've got a big boss fight where you're fighting the dragon, and you know you start out you're you're at a disadvantage because it's a huge freaking dragon. Yeah. But you've whittled down this thing down for over an hour, mm-hmm. and it's almost dead, and it looks like it's it's just about to go down, and then. You know your your team and your crew has got has, has actually kind of like got a good group groove going on. So they actually switch their disadvantage to an advantage, mm-hmm. and it'll finish it off yep. that much quicker. So you can actually continue on with either the story or with the role. Well, and it's also good so that you know if you're in that situation where you have the advantage and you roll that two, you can turn it around so you actually hit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I like that for all the you know the actual like strategy and planning of the mm-hmm. game. That's really going to encourage that. That sounds mm-hmm. fantastic and and really like focusing on what your character does best and yeah. putting yourself in scenarios yeah. where you're at an. And advantage. this also gives the uh, gives the uh, chance for the uh, players that collect dice to roll more than one d twenty. I have like seventeen d twenties and I roll two of them. Well, and then I also think it is also going to curb metagamers that just run into the next room because you know who knows yeah. you yeah. could be put into a disadvantage by just sure. walking into a room. Oh yeah. Oh, you absolutely. ran into the room. You tripped two traps, and now you're suffocating from poison. Yeah. So See, you're at a disadvantage. Yeah, I'm. I'm Sucks to be you. Like I'm, I'm fine with all of those things. I'm, I'm, I appreciate the idea that they're they figured out how to assign a numerical value mm-hmm. to actually role playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was something that was not really present in previous editions. There was no way to, to like, no matter how awesome you described what you were doing, you still only got that one static bonus. Now there is something to help differentiate. Um, I guess going the extra mile. Sure. 
rather than you know DM saying okay you get a plus two bonus or something like that because you know stuff like that's not prescribed in the rules in and of themselves no. and so um, well and it gets rid of well, those minuses oh you, you take a minus two to your roll you you don't have to worry about that now it it's takes like, it takes less math for you now yeah. so now you're just rolling yeah. dice you're at a disadvantage like, roll I've second dice oh. twenty and I've got a one and yeah. I'm at an advantage you got a twenty oh guess what disadvantage you got to roll again. Oh, you just got oh, a four. Yeah. Like oh, a, I'm sorry. Wah, wah. An, it's like a tangible effect to like hope and despair. Now, yeah, right? sure, where, yeah, yeah. Where you know, if you're at a disadvantage, you roll. If it's good, you're just like, crap. I'm totally screwed. I know I've wasted this roll, but if you roll bad and you're at an advantage, yeah, you know, you're just you're going to be licking like, your chops to roll that second die. Oh, yeah. I need a sixteen. I need yeah. a sixteen. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. It, it, Wait, I failed with a 15? I definitely need a 16. No, I can't wait to get the, the actual core books and actually maybe read them and run a game. This, I, I really think this system is going to be fun. Uh, fourth edition. It's, it's, these books it's that will be on, on the walls will disappear. You will see them, you will see them in, the, in the cement vault uh, where E.T. The E.T. Atari game was. The New Mexico. Uh, yeah. There was some good artwork there. Yeah. Yeah, so, beautiful lots, artwork. Lots of wasted art. Beautiful artwork. I will. Uh, you know, and don't get me wrong. There's there are people out there that love it. Yeah. You know, there are people. That this is where they. This was their gateway drug into into D and D and role playing. Just for those that Wait, played yeah, before, man, you have you have seen nothing yet. Wow. I, I, say to them, I just you have seen the way, nothing. The it was like getting a broken toy right out of the box. It's like it's like getting <laughs> oh, the ET so game cool. back I in know. Yeah, before. Yes, that's, that's, the, yeah, that's, that's exactly way, right. It was it was sad. Yeah. It was saddening to learn exactly just but how bad it just was. The the love and respect that Wizards has been showing with Fifth Edition oh, yeah. has just kind of it, it's shown everybody mm-hmm. that they're taking is uh, you know Dungeons and Dragons they're taking D and D very serious this time. They're not just going to try to go for the MMO crowd like they tried to do with Fourth yeah. Edition. Mm-hmm. They're not going to try to. Comp- compete with Paizo because, hell, they basically wrote the rules for Paizo to yeah. use for Pathfinder. So they are, they're branching into their own thing. And with every little extra little detail that uh, comes up talking about uh, how they're going to be rewarding role-playing, how they're going to be doing this, that, and the other, it just sounds to me like they've taken everybody's, everybody's complaints about you know, how 3rd edition didn't work, how 3.5 didn't work, how 4 didn't work, how 2 didn't work, and they're going, okay, let's, let's build this up to make this the best role-playing yeah. game that we are, well, that we can, that we know we can be. And I have lots of respect for Wizards because, for the mere fact they said, "Yeah, fourth edition was What's broken. It was a mistake." I mean, they flat out admitted that. Um, so, uh, hats off to them. It, they've put together, I would think, a really good, solid product. They listened to the beta testers. They listened to even our advice. Uh, they've listened to tons of people out there. So everyone has contributed to this. So, All right, but so we got to get out of yeah, here. Yeah, we should probably say uh, say goodbye to everybody. Uh, next week there actually will be a show. Colin is uh, putting a show on. There will for be a show. Uh, we actually have the uh, cast and crew from the uh, sold out from sold out here. Okay. Uh, it will be Colin, Zakora, and Dollface from Stolen Droids on the show. So yes, it'll be Colin and two girls. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we need to name it Bam. Colin yep. and two chick do a show. <laughs> Just kidding. The look on Sakura's face is like, uh, what? I and the rest out. of us will be at Gen Con next week. So uh, we, you just, might be getting a drunken phone call from uh, Flagoon next week, so <laughs> fingers crossed for that. That's if these guys can keep me from running off. I mean, yep. literally, it's like a kender in a candy well, store. It'll be 8 o'clock at night, so you'll yeah. be tired. 
So a uh, very special thanks to Epic Puzzles and Games for being our home for the last four years. Uh, if you have uh, any gaming needs, just come on down to uh, 33, about 3,300 south, just west. 3,500 uh, south and 4,000 west. west just, uh, just west of Bangor Highway. Epic Puzzles and Games, how was your night? Mine was epic. So uh, I guess we'll see you at Gen Con, everyone. Good night, Salt Lake. Good night, world. And as always, get more from your games. So I guess this is for the archives, but uh, see you later, Navigator. <laughs> wow. Okay, awesome. <laughs>